Give us one hour and we'll help you change the way you think about happiness. Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress-Kamen is a fresh talk radio approach promoting happiness from the inside out. Happiness is a choice and happiness can be cultivated and harvested. Each week, Lisa shines her light on well-being and global human flourishing by presenting a diverse and proactive collection of the greatest thinkers and doers who have devoted their lives to creating a better world in which to live. Lisa Cypress-Kamen is a widely recognized applied positive psychology coach, author, documentary filmmaker, and lecturer specializing in the fields of sustainable happiness, mindfulness, and integrated well-being. Let's get to it. Here's your host, Lisa Cypress-Kamen. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, wherever you are. Welcome to Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio, broadcasting consciously prepared brain food from the beaches of Malibu, California. Each week, we explore the very serious business of happiness, sustainable well-being, and human flourishing. We are not talking about that annoying yellow smiley face. No, no, no. We are talking about something much deeper and critical to the success of humanity. Authentic happiness is not selfish, egotistical, or narcissistic. In fact, it is essential in order for humankind to thrive. Sustainable happiness is important because it not only elevates our own well-being locally, but also contributes to collective global flourishing. The achievement of a happy life is not only positively good for us, it is constructively good for those around us. In short, happiness matters. Happiness comes from the heart. And this show is most definitely all about the heart. Today, we are talking about the good life. We always talk about the good life in one form or another, but we're talking about what it means to take care of ourselves mentally, physically, spiritually even. And my first guest is Lisa Luton. She is a healthy living strategist and the founder of Healthy, Happy, and Hip. Using the skills she developed as a successful technology entrepreneur, Lisa self-hacked her own mind and body to restore her health and then go on to feel more better than ever. She's a graduate of the Institute for Integrative Nutrition. She now helps highly successful superstars to slow down, chill out, develop a better relationship with food, look good, and feel great. Her articles have been featured in numerous publications, including the Huffington Post, Better After 50, and Mind body green. Her new book, Busy, Stressed, and Food Obsessed, provides tools to help highly successful superwomen slow down, chill out, develop a better relationship with food, and feel great. Welcome, Lisa. I am delighted to have you with us. Thanks. It's great to be here. Well, it's it, this is this is uh, we're talking about some meaty stuff right here. And speaking of meat, I want to talk about why we tend to reach for food to fill the voids in our lives. Well, that's a pretty um, interesting question because food has this way of slipping into our lives where there are voids. So if we need a best friend, foods like I'm your girl. If we need a lover, a confidant. Anything, food just has a way of slipping in there because it's so readily available, it's so delicious, and it gives us a temporary good feeling. But it still does not fill that void. So the key is you really want to figure out what's really going on in your life so that you don't keep using food instead of addressing the real problem. 
Okay. You know, what I, what I hear you saying is that we're talking about nourishment, right? That, that somehow we may be missing the mark with what we need to feed ourselves. Food is, is a source of nourishment, a, a source of fuel, and perhaps we're misrepresenting the cues of the mind and the spirit. When we reach for food, we're really needing a, a, a different kind of gas, a different kind of fuel. I couldn't agree with you more, Lisa. You know, we're running around busy, crazy stress 24-7 that we're not able to hear what our body is telling us. And many times we might be tired and we just need a nap or we might need a hug or we might need even just a break from our work. But we don't even take the time to figure that out. Instead, we go, oh, I must need a snack. We grab some food. We keep going. And we never really get to the heart of what's going on in our bodies and in our lives. Great point. And when we talk about the craving, which we will typically satisfy by, uh, by reaching for food, what I think I hear you saying is about the need to check in, slow down, and really listen to what it is that craving is saying. Exactly. The craving is like a little knock on the door saying, hello, I need something, but it doesn't always tell us what it needs. It might be dressed up as a brownie, but the truth is it might be something entirely different. And when we slow down and pay attention, we can start understanding what it really is, what that brownie is masquerading as. And then we can get to the heart of it, address that issue, and then give our bodies what they really need. How about the way we consume food? You know, a lot of us are um, taking meal breaks as we drive. We are eating as we walk. And I have even seen, you know, snacking on the Stairmaster, you know? Oh, goodness. <laughs> Um, yes, that's the antithesis of what we call mindful eating. You know, our bodies don't know the difference of whether we're being chased by a tiger or we're in traffic or any other any other situation that it deems dangerous. So when we're grabbing that bar on the run in the car, our body thinks that we are in a stressed out state and it doesn't perform certain functions as well as it could, like digestion. So if we can slow down and actually eat our food in a calm, normal environment where our body knows it's not in a stress mode, our body will function better and we'll have better, more satisfaction that we actually ate something. And we're less likely to jump to the next thing, the next thing, the next thing, as if we had never eaten anything because it disappeared so quickly. You make a good point that the slowing down process allows the brain to catch up with what's going on in the body, to register satiation, to, to understand, oh, yes, I'm eating this and now I'm full and I can, it can go on to the next activity. We don't allow ourselves the space for that. No, we really don't. We don't allow ourselves the space for many things that are vital to our well-beings as human beings because we are just so we just feel that we have to accomplish, accomplish, accomplish. And um, it's not just women, it's men too, but I do refer to the superwoman quite a bit because we are working, we're taking care of kids, we're taking care of parents, we're running household. We are just busy 24-7. And the thing that moves to the bottom of our list is taking care of ourselves. Yeah. And so we go, no worries, no worries, no worries. But I was that person and I collapsed. 
My body said, I'm not doing this anymore. And I had to learn the hard way. So I like to help people avoid that from happening by slowing down now, by listening to our bodies, by tuning into what we really need so that we can thrive instead of fall apart. Talk a little bit about that, what, what you went through, your own experience. Well, I was a tech entrepreneur way before it was cool to be a tech entrepreneur. And so I was working, you know, those 80, 90 hour weeks all the time. I had started a company in my early 20s with my then boyfriend who became my husband. And we just, you know, we ate crappy food all day long. The stress was ridiculous. And we just kept going and going and going. We never, ever took a break. And after years of doing this and getting married and having a couple of kids, my body broke down. And one day when I was getting dressed up for a wedding, I literally was in the black tie gown, the red lipstick, the updo, the whole bit. I started getting tingling in my fingers. I started getting dizzy. I started losing peripheral vision. And I honestly thought I was having a stroke. Mm. Um, the good news is I was rushed to a hospital. I spent hours doing neurological tests. I missed the wedding, unfortunately. But I didn't have a stroke, but I did have what began as a downward spiral into probably the worst period of my life, a period of feeling horrible, of not knowing what was wrong with me, of doctors not being able to tell me what was wrong with me, having repeat episodes of this um, thing again and again. And so I realized I had to take matters into my own hands eventually. And that catapulted you into research and action. Well, these were the days before Google. You know, you couldn't just go, oh, I have this and this, and what do I have? And so what I had to do was read books, and there just weren't answers. And I read books and books, and I interviewed family members, and I looked at all these medications that doctors kept prescribing that I had kept refusing to take to start understanding what they thought I had. And after a couple of years of researching, I did not only figure out what was wrong with me, I figured out what I personally needed to do to restore my health. And it was literally experiment after experiment after experiment. And once I felt better, I thought, hmm, I'm feeling really good. What would it take to feel great? And so I kept up with these experiments for the last 20 years. And eventually, during that time, I did go back to school for holistic nutrition. And very quickly found that I resonated for these type A busy super women and men who needed to slow down, who didn't know how, who wanted to feel better, who wanted to take care of their bodies and figure out how to do it. And what was the approach with yourself and, and the approach that you now take with your clients? How does it differ even? Well, it's quite similar. For me, I started experimenting with food and exercise and caffeine and sleep and meditation and just really started paying attention and began kind of as a hobby because I still was in the tech industry. And then over time, I realized some really interesting things like sugar made me worry more or I had been caffeine free for 27 years and decided to bring it back because as I had been studying it for years, I found that a cup of coffee actually can do you some good as opposed to 
all bad. And I started just really noticing what resonated, what felt good in my own body. And I do do that with my clients. We do experiments, everything from how does this breakfast make you feel to are you having enough fun in your life? And let's, let's play and let's experiment and start noticing what you need to do for yourself. I think people are really sick of being told what to do. They want to figure it out for themselves. They just need some steps on how to do it. And the doing it for oneself is very empowering. I mean, not only are we reclaiming our healthy bodies, but this process also supports the healthy mind to be to being in charge of one's own dominion, self-mastery, self-care, self-direction and determination. I couldn't agree with you more. I think that if I said to you, okay, I really think you should eat some more spinach, you'd say, thanks a lot. But if you said to me, you know, I think I really want some more spinach, you're more likely to eat that spinach and love it than being forced to do it. And so I think there's a huge psychological component in the empowerment of just, I am okay I am not broken. I don't need to be fixed. I just need to make some tweaks in my life and I can feel better. And that feels a lot better than you stink. You're too fat. You're not moving enough. You know, that this whole industry has been basing itself on, you know, you have to follow my way or no way. Well, I don't buy into that. I think that you're smart and that you are good enough and you just have to educate a little bit and start listening to your body and you have all the tools you need. I think what you said is so important that, that, that we are smart. We are good enough. We are capable. We are going to need to go to a break. And when we come back, we're going to carry on the conversation with Lisa Luton to learn more please visit her website, healthyhappyandhip.com. On Facebook, you can find her at, guess what? Healthy, Happy, and Hip. And on Twitter, that handle is at Lulu at the number two. So it's L-E-W-L-E-W-2. And once again, her newest book is Busy, Stressed, and Food Obsessed. Here come those tunes. I promise you, we'll be right back. We know that life can be tough and that happiness can and does live alongside adversity. We'll be right back to explain how on Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress-Kamen. Harvest more happiness by liking us on Facebook at Harvesting Happiness, following Lisa on Twitter at Lisa Kamen, and tweeting us with the hashtag Harvesting Happiness. Love to read? Looking to harvest your happiness? Then look no further. Lisa Cypress-Kamen is an author of three amazing books that will assist in taking your well-being and self-mastery to the next level. Are we happy yet? Eight Keys to Unlocking a Joyful Life offers breakthrough strategies for creating your own personal happiness revolution. Perspectives on addiction and integrated journey to wellness is an overview of the recovery process from a multi-stepped perspective and holistic approach of substance abuse abuse and lifestyle management through her third book reintegration strategies for depression anxiety anger grief and post-traumatic stress offers a no nonsense approach to dealing with post-combat civilian life reintegration issues for veterans and their families you'll find these books online at amazon.com and harvestinghappiness.com 
Mindful meditative moments are free and relaxing on-the-spot mini staycation journeys designed to calm the mind and soothe the body from the comfort of wherever you are. No reservations or travel required. Check out the playlists on HarvestingHappiness.com and Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio on iTunes and SoundCloud. Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress-Kamen, the show dedicated to promoting happiness from the inside out by thriving with passion, purpose, place, and meaning. So let's get back to the show and your host, Lisa Cypress-Kamen. Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio. If you're just joining us now, we are talking about what it takes to be healthy, happy, and hip with Lisa Luton, who's just written a new book, Busy, Stressed, and Food Obsessed. So, So Lisa... Prior to the break, we were talking about eating without distractions and fostering a new awareness with food, as well as employing more fun in our lives. Yes, I'd like to talk a little bit about mindful eating. I think that's something people are hearing about, and they may or may not know what it really means. On a, on a very simple level, it means paying attention to the food you're eating when you're actually eating it. But if we take it out a little bit broader, it gets kind of fun. I love to notice the smell of a food and the texture. You know, is it creamy? Is it crunchy? I like to think about where did this food come from? You know, and, and be grateful to the people that actually played a role in getting this food all the way to, from hopefully growing somewhere to my plate. And then there's another piece of mindfulness that people don't really talk about that I think is so important. And that is, who am I sharing this meal with? Hmm. Now, if I'm eating alone, then I should be conscious of my own experience mm-hmm. and enjoy that. But if I'm eating with others, I should connect with others. I should not be on my phone. I should be not be reading the newspaper. I should actually be mindful who I'm with, look at them, have them look at me, and share this meal together because that's where the connection comes from, and that's going to actually add to our satiety and feeling full and nourished. Hmm. Very good point. Um, I, I, and as you were taking us through that checklist, I'm closing my eyes and I'm imagining, you know, that, that, that quality of savoring, not just what I'm eating, but the environment in which I'm doing it. Exactly. And, you know, having fun with your food. Sometimes I get so excited about a salad that I've just produced that I name it. Like it might be the green goddess or green with envy, you know, and I just have fun with it because I'm so thrilled that I have access to healthy food and that I can give my body the best food possible. Let's talk a little bit about preparing food for oneself, because I often hear this with clients who may be single. You know, what's the point? I'm alone. Why should I cook for myself? Well, you're going to laugh at this, but I 
I have a family and I still prefer to eat and cook alone. <laughs> um, I, I was never a very good cook. I was so busy being a, a superwoman out there that um, all those years that everybody else was learning to cook, I didn't. And so about five years ago, I decided that I was going to start cooking. And I was so embarrassed that I wasn't a good cook that I decided I was going to start cooking for myself alone and I didn't worry about anybody else if they were going to like it or not. And as I did that, I started realizing that this is actually really fun and relaxing. And I got in this habit of just cooking my own little meals that literally there are many days I will cook three meals a day for myself. And they take five minutes to prepare. This is not a lavish big meal. It's just that I do the prep work over the weekend and I can throw together a stir fry in two minutes. I can throw together a smoothie in two minutes or I can throw together a salad because the prep work has been done. This is a very good point and, and a tip, I would think, to do some of the labor over the weekends, during the downtime, so you can have these, these materials, these ingredients at the ready. Absolutely. And then here's one of my favorite little tips is merchandise your refrigerator. You know, put those things. I like to wash and chop and get everything into little Tupperware containers. And then when I open the refrigerator, I see spinach and kale and arugula like front and center there. So I don't have to go digging down below in one of those drawers, which we forget about. So I put all my healthy foods up top. I see them. I open the fridge. I'm like, yes, I have this. And I get excited about it. It's not digging down deep. Ooh, do I feel like washing the lettuce right now? Who feels like doing that at the end of a long day? Nobody. Nobody. And in fact, I have bought the ingredients. We live near a fabulous farmer's market, and so I shop there each week. <coughs> Excuse me. And if I don't get those ingredients prepped and merchandised like you're describing, I am less likely to cook and more likely to pick up the phone for takeout. Absolutely. It's so, you know, you have to plan a little bit and do a little bit of work, but it just, as I said, if you have those ingredients ready to go, you can have a meal ready in five to 10 minutes. And you know, it doesn't have to be this big fancy meal. It just has to be satisfying and healthy. And even if you stop in Whole Foods and pick up a piece of salmon and then make a little salad, well, that's a great meal, you know, and you don't have to get crazy. I think that there's a tendency right now for people to try to be so perfect with their eating and their cooking. And I would like to say lighten up a little bit. You know, this is real life. You have to be practical and you have to do the best you can. You know, if you can get to a, a farmer's market, great. If not, if you have frozen broccoli and that's the best you can do, well, just do it. And don't beat yourself up. That's great. Do it. Yeah, do it and, and enjoy it and then move on to the, to the next thing, you know. Exactly. Like Lighten, lighten the load a little bit because we do tend to be so hard on ourselves, not just with what we eat, but everything. Yes. In the book, I talk about the inner critic bitch. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that. Sorry. But, uh, she's, no, she's so naughty. She's so naughty. <laughs> she's she so naughty. Quit. She beats us up all the time. And, you know, who needs that? We've got enough real stuff going on in our life. We don't need to have this little voice in our head reminding us how flawed we are. So I say, you know, ditch her and really just lighten up, relax, and everything will fall into place in your life so much better. And speaking of judgment, and let's, let's talk a little bit about body image and how we are so apt to pick apart those 
aspects of ourselves, whether it's our thighs or our cellulite or the little pinch that we have on our on our biceps, that really sets us on a course of critique, self-loathing, taking us away from happiness, acceptance, and love. I, I so agree. And the saddest thing is that for so many of us women, and I put myself in this boat, and you get on that scale in the morning, and if the number is something you like, it's a great day. And if the number is higher than you want, it's a, a lousy day, and I stink, and I'm no good at anything. And it's so terrible that a little metal object can have so much power over us. And all of that ties into, you know, our body image. And the I'm not good enough, I'm not thin enough, I'm not sexy enough. And we got to get off that off that train, because we're never going to win. We're just yeah. never going to win. And all we're going to do is keep setting ourselves up for more disappointment. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I, I, I completely agree. I am not an advocate of the scale. I'm an advocate of how do my clothes fit? Yes, I agree. I totally agree. But, you know, you also have to say, you know, for some people, the scale is their friend. For some people, the scale works. They weigh in once in a while. It's a quick check-in, and they don't have an emotional reaction. But for many women, and, and I'm guessing men as well, you know, they might be weighing themselves multiple times a day. You know, did I, am I thinner now? Am I thinner <laughs> then? What's it going to be? And it's a real problem because they are relating their self-worth to a number, I like to say, you know, at the end of your life, do you want to be remembered for what you weighed or for how you made people feel? Yeah. You know, we have to get a little perspective here. Indeed, we do. Speaking of perspective, let's talk about the connection between our minds and our bodies and really going back to the process of educating ourselves towards mindfulness and, and then I, there's another thing I want to ask you, but I'll do so in a minute. Well, I think that like many type A people, I lived the first majority of my life up in my head instead of in my body. And when I realized I actually had a body attached to the head and that the body was talking to me, it was one of the biggest aha moments of my life. And so people hear mind-body connection, but they don't always understand what that really means for them. And I'm going to explain it on what that means to me. So if we quiet down, we can really notice what our body is saying. For example, if our, if our chest is feeling very tight, usually that might be something that is a stressful feeling, an angry feeling, not something good. So oftentimes when someone's making a decision, I'll say, do you feel light or tight? And if their body's feeling tight, it's often not the right way to go. But if it's feeling light and relaxed, that feels good to your body. That might be a better choice. The same is true for your belly, where we hold a lot of stress and tension, our necks, our shoulders. When we slow down and pay attention, our body will tell us where it needs love, where it's holding stress, and what's really going on for us. Perfectly said. And then there's another angle to the mindfulness practice that I was reading an article on a study that was recently done about the concept of mindlessly eating. You know, there's so much being spoken about in the media of the, the mindful process to food, the relationship we have with the food, how we consume it, the environment, the food itself. And 
this article was specifically talking about what happens if we just tune into the cues of our hunger, which really is, requires education, and then don't think. We, we, yeah. we, 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 you know, we feed the hunger. So it's, it's, it's actually, uh, what is it, mindfully mindless. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think for some people that might work well, and for other people it might not work so well. And we're all so different that we really do have to experiment and see what does work for us. You know, the key is we want to add more things to our life like joy and fun and, and things that are going to nourish us that way so that we don't have to obsess about food meeting all of our needs. But I think for some people, they have to first step back and understand what hunger feels like because we seem to have forgotten what hunger actually does feel like. Mm, point well taken. And hunger is important. Where are we hungry in terms of food and where are we hungry in terms of our emotions? And how do we learn to give ourselves what we need in a healthy, constructive fashion? We are out of time and I want to refer our listeners to your new book, Busy, Stressed and Food Obsessed, which is out now and available wherever fine books are sold. And to give your website, which is healthy, happy and hip com and on Facebook you can be found at healthy happy and hip and on Twitter that's at Lulu with the number two Lisa Luton thank you for joining us on harvesting happiness talk radio and go out and make it a great day Lisa and here come those tunes we'll be right back with our next guest we know that life can be tough and that happiness can and does live alongside adversity. We'll be right back to explain how on Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress-Kamen. Harvest more happiness by liking us on Facebook at Harvesting Happiness, following Lisa on Twitter at Lisa Kamen, and tweeting us with the hashtag Harvesting Happiness. Remember what it feels like to receive a gift? We all know nothing gives happiness like a present, so you should unwrap yours at harvestinghappiness.com and sign up to receive your free ebook, Got Happiness Now, that offers simple, user friendly ways to get greater happiness in your world each and every day. That's harvestinghappiness.com. Lisa Cypress Kamen has built an impressive global lifestyle management consulting company offering applied positive psychology, mindfulness, and integrated well-being coaching. Her services, including addiction and trauma recovery support, as well as life crisis triage, are available worldwide through phone, video, and on-site. In addition, Lisa delivers workshops, lectures, and trainings to corporations and institutions and is a frequent guest expert on many prominent radio and TV shows. Connect with us at Harvesting Happiness for more information. Harvesting Happiness for Heroes is a 501c3 nonprofit corporation offering innovative and integrated stigma-free combat recovery services to veterans and their loved ones with programming that focuses on the transformation of post-traumatic stress into post-traumatic growth using scientifically proven positive psychology coaching tools and strategies that increase self-mastery, self-awareness, and self-esteem to help heal the invisible wounds of war. To make a tax-free charitable contribution or to learn more, please visit Visit hh4heroes.org.
Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress-Kamen, the show dedicated to promoting happiness from the inside out by thriving with passion, purpose, place, and meaning. So let's get back to the show and your host, Lisa Cypress-Kamen. Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio. If you're just joining us now, we are continuing the discussion about busy, stressed, and food-obsessed but now talking about body image, talking about, you know, really what it means to be occupying your own body and to, to, to rock it. When so many of us um, have body image issues, we doubt our worth, we doubt our beauty, we doubt our integrity, all based on the reflection that we think we see in the mirror. And my next guest is somebody that I absolutely adore. She was on our show a couple of years ago, and she made an indelible impression upon me with her wisdom, her chutzpah, and uh, her joy that emanates from such a heartfelt, um, experience-driven place. And we also have the the, the great um, pleasure of having her kitty cat with us in the room. <laughs> Jesse and Frida. <laughs> what? Frida? Frida, she's really hairy, so I named her Frida. After does she have a Frida. unibrow? She does have a unibrow and a mustache. She's beautiful. Oh, well, <laughs> we introduce Frida. I want to introduce you, and then we can talk about Frida and her mustache and unibrow. This is my friend Jesse Conweiler. While hey, hey, so hey. So, what's up? I have to Google what I have to Google what indelible means. Hold on one second. Oh, it's, I, it's is that a compliment? While you Google, I want to give the spiel about who you are and all your fabulousness. So you Google, I'll talk. Jessie Conweiler, while at the University of Redlands, she quickly began ditching class in order to make documentaries. For her thesis film, Little America, she hitchhiked across the country to explore the world of America's truck drivers. Jessie worked at J.J. Abrams' Bad Robot Productions, was selected for the sixth Points Artist Fellowship, which inspired her comedic web series entitled Dude, Where's My Chutzpah? Her short Meet My Rapist, a dark comedy about running into her rapist at the farmer's market, debuted at the 2014 Slam Dance Film Festival. Jessie is currently developing several TV projects, including The Skinny, a comedy about women, bodies, and food. Jessie makes films to make the world feel like home. She lives in Los Angeles with her plants and Frida the Fabulous Kitty Cat. (laughs) Yeah, that pretty much sums it up. That's it. And, you know, (laughs) that is how we met. We met when your film Meet My Rapist came out. And this is where where I fell in love with you, and this is where the indelibility um, comes in, that you took a subject that is dark, that is nasty, that in many cases is shameful to people, and you turned on the Klieg Likes girlfriend. <laughs> um, yeah, that was a really um, that was a really incredible experience. Basically, like I was sexually assaulted during my study abroad, and uh, you know, over ten years ago, and I thought I was over it, and I turns out I wasn't, and so I wanted to make a film about it. So the whole experience of Making Meet My Rapist was such an incredible uh, creative catharsis, but it also really helped me like confront my own shame and, you know, how my sexual assault is something that it's part of me, but it doesn't define me and it connected me with other people. And it really was like, it really set me free 
I feel like. So does indelible work for you? Yeah, I mean, I still don't know what that means, but um. oh, you could keep googling or, or, or just later. But but you know, what you're doing now, the work that you're doing now with the skinny, I, I think is 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 equally as courageous because we women and some guys too have a really hard time occupying our bodies, living in our bodies, feeling at home in our bodies, and all that that represents. Yeah, I mean, the skinny, like, so just to for people who don't know, like the skinnies, a web series that I made. Um, and basically I was bulimic and suffered from body image and all of that jazz for like over 10 years. And so a couple years ago, I like wrote a script about a feminist that was also bulimic and I turned it into a web series and now it's on refinery 29 online. And I think it was a really, again, like it was such an awesome experience because that like the way that I, I'm like always been a very open person, um, you know, in my family and all that stuff. But the way that I eat and what I did with food is like easily the most shameful thing about me. And talking to a lot of people, I think like, oh, well, it's just food and it's, it's legal and all this stuff. But it, I know for me, I had such a crazy relationship with food and so much shame around it. Cause I was like, well, this is a problem and I'm the only one that has this problem and I need to get better on my own. And I need to just figure this out. And because I didn't look like the normal, typical person that you see in movies of, you know, someone that has an eating disorder, I felt like I needed to just figure this out. And it it just further reinforced my isolation. So um, making the show and kind of coming out and saying, hey, this is like part of who I am. And this is something that I deal with, by the way, every single day of my life. um, It's really helped me like come to terms with it. And also, I just feel like, I have not, I've yet to meet somebody that doesn't have some kind of relationship with food and body, like really, like men and women. So I think like the first step is just to talk about it, you know, like there's no shame in the game. No, no, there isn't. For those that don't know, could you define bulimia? Because there are people out there that don't know what that means. Sure. Um, Bulimia is eating food and um, getting rid of of it either by throwing up or taking laxatives or over-exercising. Um, and it's usually for me, it was, a, you know, the other side of that was binge eating. So eating like huge amounts of food in a very short period of time and then getting rid of that food. And I think along, you know, I think people think of eating disorders again, like if you're, if you know, you're starving and you're 60 pounds and you're in the hospital, but you know, in my experience, my eating disorder really ebbed and flowed. And I believe that there's like a spectrum. So it would be everything from like, throwing up, you know, eating and throwing up five times a day to I would go through months of like eating quote unquote normally, you know, but just thinking about my body all the time and obsessing about the way my stomach looked. And it really was so much more, it was such a mental, it lives in your brain, you know, your eating disorder lives in your brain. So you could look at somebody and say, well, you look fine, you know, well, you don't look overweight or you don't look underweight or you look normal quote unquote, but really eating disorders are, it's a mental disease. So, you know, it's so easy, it's so easily to suffer in silence, you know? Indeed, because it taps into that shame, you know, the guilt and the shame of, you know, some, a lot of the topics that that we're talking about, you know, in in terms of rape, it's a very shameful experience for most people. Um, The sense of not being able to control one's body or control how one eats or control how one looks can be shameful. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and that's, that's kind of the key word. I mean, I think that's what's behind 
you know, my eating disorder, you know, it was, it was like how it came out, you know, it was the behavior that I did, but what was behind that was the desire to control the desire to control my life, my body, and, you know, most especially my emotions. So whenever I would have an emotion that was icky or, you know, a quote unquote fat feeling, it was really about feeling sad, feeling overwhelmed, feeling depressed, and the need to, there's something in my brain that was like, if I'm having a bad feeling, that means I'm bad, and I need to control that, and I need to make that go away. So that's why the bulimia worked for so long. It was so seductive, and I think that's why food, it's such an incredible distraction, especially for women, and I think about like, oh my God, like all the time that I spent you know, hating my body and worrying about my thighs and worrying about what I was eating or what I ate last night. I mean, I could have cured cancer. (laughs) It's crazy. It's crazy. Yes. And when this occupies our mind, it, it takes us away from really occupying our life and our bodies, the very places that we are striving to be present in. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I think also, you know, I've been spe- I've been screening the skinny at colleges and been having a lot of, of those conversations with like young people, which has been amazing because I'm like realizing that I'm actually old now. Um, but I'm like, oh, well, like people are like, well, I want to love myself. And to me, there's a huge gap between like having the shame and then like seeing these dove commercials where it's like, love, just love yourself and embrace your curves and like, like, ha- and how do we get there? And I think that's the conversation that I'm interested in having is like, how do you embrace the fact and accept the fact that you are going to have fat days, that I do have t- days where I, I struggle so much more, so much with body shame and, and eating and stuff like that. And how do you accept even those things about yourself, you know, and that self-love is a process and it's a, it's a struggle, but it's a beautiful struggle. Indeed it is. And I have a college daughter, college age daughter. And what I find interesting about her, because she's grown up with me and I have been challenged with these issues in my past and it's not so much present in my life now, is that she is so voraciously present in rocking her body. You know, she's got curves and she loves them. Well, that's awesome. Yeah, and I'm like, I'm, I, I, you know, I'll have what she's having. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's that's a beautiful thing, and that's great, great parenting, and you know, great support system that she has, and uh, you know, that's totally awesome. And I would just say to anybody who's listening that's not there that. For me, just in my experience, because I have days like those too, where I'm like, oh, I'm friggin' Beyonce, you know, like I love my (laughs) beauty. But, you know, the days that I don't, I will say like having an eating disorder and, and the, and the journey that I've been on to like, to, to, to get on the other side of that or this journey of self-love has been such an active, like experience driven journey. That's led me to making the show. That's led me to take up meditation. That's led me to, you know, bonding with other women who also deal with this. I mean, it's been such an incredible journey that I wouldn't trade it for anything. Like it's actually a part of who, of what makes me, me, it's my journey into becoming a woman is really getting over my eating disorder or dealing with it. You know what I mean? I, I do know what you mean. We are going to go bond over on a break real fast. But before we do, I want to give your contact information to our listeners. To connect with Jessie, go visit her website, www.jessieconweiler.com. And that's K 
A-H-N-W-E-I-L-E-R. On Facebook, Jesse Conweiler, and on Twitter, at Jess Conweiler. Here come the tunes. We'll be right back. We know that life can be tough and that happiness can and does live alongside adversity. We'll be right back to explain how on Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress-Kamen. Harvest more happiness by liking us on Facebook at Harvesting Happiness, following Lisa on Twitter at Lisa Kamen, and tweeting us with the hashtag Harvesting Happiness. Lisa Cypress-Kamen author of Got Happiness Now, is also a prestigious TEDx presenter. Her talks, The Mysteries of Fear and the Inversion Theory of Joy, can be found online at TED.com and on the Harvesting Happiness YouTube channel. Be a part of the grateful good. Grateful Nation brings together patients, families, friends, and staff of Beth Israel Deaconess Medical Center to support the quality care and groundbreaking research at the Medical Center. Through new and traditional media, members of Grateful Nation share experiences, thank our caregivers and researchers, participate in sweepstakes, and gather to sponsor and host events and much more. Being grateful inspires others to be grateful as well. Isn't it time we jumpstart some perpetual gratitude? Visit Grateful Nation online to find out more at www.gratefulnation.org. Have a grateful day. Check out the critically acclaimed documentary film, H-Factor, Where is Your Heart? An insightful visual journey from Lisa Cypress-Kamen, showing that every person possesses the means to be happy. Follow Lisa and her nine-year-old daughter, Kayla, as they travel the world on the hunt for the universal keys to human happiness. Their question? What makes you happy? Discover the origins of human happiness, where to find it, create it, and keep it. Find it in our shop at HarvestingHappiness.com. Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress-Kamen, the show dedicated to promoting happiness from the inside out by thriving with passion, purpose, place, and meaning. So let's get back to the show and your host, Lisa Cypress-Kamen. Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio. If you're just joining us now, I urge you to download and share this podcast. Why? It's kind, it's free, it's legal, it's available 24-7, and we are talking with um, filmmaker Jesse Conweiler about her new show called The Skinny, a comedy about women, bodies, and food. Jesse, you have been nominated for a Webby, and I would love for you to tell our listeners what the Webbies are because they may not know and why this is so cool and important. Um, so the Webbies are like kind of the biggest. Uh, award show for like online digital content. They're like the Oscars of the internet. And it's really cool because, um, you know, they're voted by the people. So it's like the, the internet actually, you know, determines, um, you know, who wins for the people's choice category. So it's pretty, uh, unbelievable that, you know, this show, I mean, what what makes me so, you know, and we premiered at Sundance in January and we're, you know, we have like over 6 million views on our, on Refinery29 now. And, you know, what makes me so happy about this is like when I, when I set out to make this show, I mean, I couldn't sell this script. 
and nobody in Hollywood wanted to make the script because like eating disorders are not sexy or funny or, you know, who am I? And, and it was just, so it's been such an incredible process to see, you know, through the internet because of, because the internet, you know, there are no gatekeepers, you know, it's like, if you have the drive and a little bit of money, you can put yourself out there. And so being able to put myself out there and, and first, you know, the project started as a Kickstarter and getting, you know, random people. I mean, the project was funded initially by, you know, other women mostly that would send me $5, $10, like keep going, keep making the story. So I really felt like I was supported in this network of women. And I was telling this very personal story that was not just my story. And um, so it's been incredible to see that grow. And, you know, now we're up against like Star Trek, you know, it's like, (laughs) it's ridiculous. And it just makes me so grateful for, you know, everybody that's been involved. I mean, there's been hundreds of people now that have been a part of this, making the skinny happen. So it's pretty unbelievable. And and this really speaks to the use of our voices and in using our voices as being part of the cure or the healing or the medicine that takes these conditions that you're speaking of, you know, um, body image issues, eating disorders, rape, anything that um, um, most of us would consider the dark sides of our lives and doing something with them. Um, Yeah, I mean, I don't, I really don't even, I mean, people, it's so funny because people are like, are you, like some people be like, are you okay? Or, oh my God, that's so intense. And I just feel like the crazy thing is to not talk about this stuff. You know, I feel like that's how it was around our dinner table growing up. Like if there was something wrong, you talked about it and you really think about like everybody that I'm in, you know, to be human is to be in relationship. And the people that I have the most meaningful relationships with are the people that I can get real with. And so I feel like my art and like what I'm going to say, if I'm going to express myself I want that to be based on like the reality of the human condition and what it means to be alive. And so these are some of the things that I've, you know, dealt with in my life, but you know, because it's it's life. I mean, I it's also a comedy. It's also really sad. It's and I find that that's how life is. You know, you're crying and laughing at the same time and that just feels very normal to me. <laughs> and I think that's something really important to mention about the normalization Bad things will happen. Life is painful. Suffering is optional. So when these bad things do happen, when we can get support to normalize our experience and see the bad or the the, the yucky stuff in the context of the whole, right? That it's not, it does not need to be the sum or the definer of who we are, but it's part of the texture that becomes our lives. Yeah. I mean, I think it's... (laughs) It's so funny because like, I don't know, just, just in dealing with this and, and, and putting yourself out there, you know, it can be kind of scary because people are like, oh my God. And I feel like I know everything about you. And, you know, like now when I date and like my date will Google me, I'm just like, oh my God, you know, (laughs) like there's no secrets anymore. But, um, but I just feel like normalizing it is, I don't even like the word normal, but it's just it makes me feel like more connected to everybody in a weird, in a weird way, more connected to my true self as well. And, you know, I think I used to spend so much time pretending as a woman, I'm happy all the time and I'm great and everything's easy and it's so easy to do everything. And you know what I mean? Like it's all effortless and that's bull. Like that's total crap, you know? Um, Like the struggle is real. And I think when I like being in recovery for my eating disorder, it's so funny because I, 
I think eating disorders, it's very black and white thinking, you know, it's like, if I'm skinny, then I'll have the perfect life. And then I'll have the boyfriend and then I'll have the Oscar and everything will be easy. And like now being in recovery, I'm like, oh my gosh, like life is real. And you know, one of my friends said to me like early on, you know, being in recovery, like you get everything. And you think like, well, what do you think of when you think you get everything? It's like, oh, well, I get everything I've ever wanted. And it's like, no, you get everything. You get the joy, you get the pain, you get the heartbreak you know, you get life. Yeah, you get life. And we, and we learn to meet life on life's terms. I think that's when the struggle ends. Yeah. And it's just funny, like looking at, you know, looking at Facebook and, you know, you, it just, it's, it creates this illusion. Like everybody has it together and that, you know, it's so easy for everyone else. I'll look at my own Facebook profile sometimes and be like, oh yeah, like I'm doing awesome, you know? And then I'm like, but wait a minute, like that's a curated version of like what is specifically I want the world to see, but it's not real. Yep. So social media is, it is a curated version of ourselves, how we want to be perceived in the world. Yeah. And oftentimes very different from the truth. I mean, everybody is fighting the good fight. I don't care how much money you have or how much fame you have or how much beauty you have at the end of the day, we're still like sleeping with ourselves here. And, and, and that external stuff is not what defines, um, the roots of any kind of sustainable well-being, as far as I know. Yeah. I mean, but you know, like, but we're also humans, you know, and I tend to like, oh my God, I don't want this outside stuff to validate me. And why am I, you know, and I don't want to be defined by like, if I have a man or not and all this stuff. But you know, I, I also acknowledge that like, I'm a human being. And so like, I like every human being, of course, I want a, a certain level, I, I like attention, and I, I have an ego and all of that stuff. But I think it's just about being aware of it, you know. And when you are in those situations where, you know, okay, like the, winning the Webby would be amazing. Like, am I going to turn that down? No. But to just for my own personal peace of mind, keeping in mind that actually what was amazing, the most amazing part of the skinny was making the skinny. That was the win. That was what was so amazing about it was being able to engage in a creative process that makes me feel alive, that I feel like I was put on earth to do it. it you know, that's what the win is. It's not like winning the award, you know, I hear you. So I think it's just awareness. So let's talk about the skinny and the and the format of it and where people can find it. Um, so the skinny is a web series, so it's six 15 minute individual episodes, and you can watch them all on Refinery Twenty Nine if you just Google uh, Refinery and then the letters Twenty Nine, or you can watch them on my website or it's on YouTube, and um, I can give you those links. Yeah, give them, share them. Let's we want to we want to spread them. Well, I mean, I, you can, just oh, you don't have them off. Uh, you don't have them off the, off the top of your head. No, I mean, That's you fine. You can just Google the skinny Jesse Conweiler, or you can Google the skinny refinery 29, um, or go straight to the website. So it's everywhere. It's everywhere. All, all exactly. Free. Yeah. Yes. Free is good. We like, we like free. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, and when are the webbies? When, when uh, are, is the award ceremony? Um, they're determining the winners in like nine days. Um, so you have like nine days if you, um, if you guys like the show and you want to vote, um, I can give you the link to, to link in the podcast, um, would be amazing. Yeah. Yeah. We, we want to do that. Actually, I think Andrea, our producer has given us that and we are intending to blast that out. So not to worry. Awesome. Great. We have that. Um, let's talk about, um, 
an advice you would give to a younger person than you about finding their artistic voice? Because you've got this. You nailed this. Um, I would say finding your artistic voice is really just getting back to the center of like what your core values are as a person and what really matters to you. And I think a benefit of being an artist, of being, you know, I think I would always get on my down on myself. Oh, I'm not here in my career and nobody knows me and all this stuff. It's like, that's actually the most beautiful place to be as an artist, because then you can really boil down to what what matters to you? What's the story that you have to tell that only you can tell? Definitely get into therapy um, because I think it's important to um, or whatever self-care works for you because I think it's really important to, especially if you're going to make personal work, that's it's really hardcore to do that. So, you know, making sure that you have like a really good self-care practice, um, that's really essential for, for making any kind of work, I think. And um, like, I think I used to have this idea that I need to be this crazy tortured artist in order to make work that's good. And um, I really think that's, for me, it's the healthier that I become as a person and the more grounded and the more of a self-care practice that I have, the more open I am to make honest work. Um, so I think that that's really important. And yeah, just keep, you know, keep telling those stories that scare you because those are the ones that matter. Oh, what a beautiful point to end our conversation. We're out of time. We'll have you back, Jesse. I want to um, give your contact information once again. It's www.jessieconweiler.com on Facebook, Jesse Conweiler. And on Twitter, that handle is at Jess. Conweiler. You can find um, out about the Webbies. You can find out about the Skinny by Googling. She's everywhere. She's accessible. And here are a few thoughts before we part. Happiness is not a destination. It cannot be bought, sold, or traded. Happiness will never invite you to the party. Happiness simply comes down to a choice to show up each and every day in the world with passion, purpose, place, and meaning. Thanks for joining us on Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio. This is Lisa Cypress-Kamen and my fabulous guests today, Lisa Luton and Jesse Conweiler, wishing you kind thoughts, kinder words, and the kindest of actions. Until next time, remember, happiness is an inside job. Happiness is your inside job. Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio is produced in collaboration with Toginet and KBUU and is available on PRX, the public radio exchange. Go out and rock your day. Thanks for joining us on Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio with Lisa Cypress-Kamen. Join us each and every Wednesday for a brand new broadcast and continue to harvest your own happiness anytime from the comfort of wherever you are with hundreds of free downloadable podcasts from our libraries on iTunes and SoundCloud. To learn more about Lisa's global practice as an applied positive psychology coach specializing in lifestyle management as well as addiction and trauma recovery services, please visit HarvestingHappiness.com. Spread more joy by liking us on Facebook Facebook at Harvesting Happiness, following Lisa on Twitter at Lisa Kamen, and tweeting us with the hashtag Harvesting Happiness.